My name is David Siegler, and welcome to my podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in property sourcing profits land, all you property sourcing profiteers. If you're listening to this, you are absolutely in the right place because this is the podcast for you. And uh, I wanted to give you a bit of an update on compliance. I know, our favourite subject, compliance. But here's the thing, team. This has to be your favourite pro- uh, your favorite subject. Compliance needs to be your favourite subject because you have to be compliant if you are going to source deals for your investors and keep them happy and keep you on the straight and narrow and out of prison. Very important. Got to stay out there sourcing deals. So uh, I'd like to share with you in this episode just a couple of things that I have stumbled across uh, as I've gone through my journey working with people who are learning to source and uh, find deals, uh, package deals to their investors as they move forward. Um, And uh, these are things that I did not know, some of them. These are the, the one at the end going to blow your socks off team stay with me to the end and put your socks on so we can blow them off in the last few minutes here because uh this was something i really didn't know and now i do know and i'm going to share it with you and i've double checked my facts so let's start on our journey so i'm not going through the whole compliance setup if you're looking for a guide from day one to set yourself up and be compliant, then I've already done a podcast episode on that. Have a, have a look way back, I don't know, 10, 12, 14, somewhere like that. Have a look at that episode. What I want to do is update you. I want to update you. I'm assuming that you have your professional indemnity insurance in place. I'm assuming that you have applied to join one of the property redress schemes. I am with the property ombudsman, that's cool, but the other ones are called too. I'm assuming that you have data protection uh, registration with the Information Commission, and I am assuming that you have registered for anti-money laundering supervision with HMRC. So those are the basic steps, basic steps, and I'm assuming you've done that. But you know how it go, Rolls team, uh, as you move through, you pick things up uh, about compliance on the journey, and I want to share them with you because I think it can help. So all I want to do is help. And um, the spirit of this episode that I'm going to share with you is that compliance is simple. It's very, very simple. Now, there are people out there in property sourcing land who will wag a finger at you and say, this is very difficult. But actually, it's quite simple. And other people have done all the work for you. So you don't have to worry too much about it. Okay, so let's talk about, and these are questions that have been raised with me by friends who are going through the process, asking me, do I need this, David? Do I need that, David? How does it roll, David? Okay. So first of all, there is a modification, absolutely no doubt in my mind, there is a modification in exactly how deal packages are viewed, in particular if you are a member of the Property Ombudsman Scheme. Uh, We have to be a little bit careful, because the accepted wisdom used to be, and I preach this as well, uh, that there are, of course, two levels 
um, when you join the TPO. You can join on different levels. You can register with the TPO or you can become a member of the TPO. And uh, I was always taught that registration is sufficient. As a deal packager, it was sufficient for your needs just to register with the TPO. The cost is the same. It's not a financial issue whether you register or you're a member. The cost is the same. The, the issue is that as a member, you are subject to much more uh, detailed scrutiny about what you've got to have in place, all that sort of thing. For instance, client accounts. Client accounts. I've never had a client account, right? I've never had a client account because A, I've never handled client money, and B, I have never charged the reservation fee before exchange and completion of the deal. I never have, right? This isn't the reason I never have, but I never have. Um, now, if you tick either of those boxes, i.e. you hold clients' money during the process or you take a reservation fee, even though it's called a fee and it is part of your fee and it will be de deducted from your total fee at the end of the process, I am now advised, and I pass it on to you in good faith, that you need a client's account to hold that partially paid fee just in case something goes wrong, you have to return the money at some point to the investor. So I pass it on in good faith. For those of you out there taking £1,000, 1500 quid reservation fees up front, maybe you should have a look at your registration stroke. Membership of the Property Ombudsman, if that's where you, you live and you're in the Property Ombudsman scheme, uh, and just maybe revise that. Here's the good news, team. The good news is the Property Ombudsman is a very friendly place. And uh, if you phone them, if you ask for help and advice, you get really, really positive feedback uh, very quickly. They know all the answers and they can help you uh, get over any issues that you think you may have. So that's a really, really important point. So the accepted wisdom has changed. Registration, I am told, is no longer enough. Uh, and this is what I have done. I have switched to membership. But the thing about deal packages is the TPO recognizes that we are kind of a hybrid. We kind of need our own classification. And neither registration at one end of the scale nor membership at the other end of the scale is probably right for us. You know, we have to, we have to look at it slightly differently. So what I would advise any friends to do setting out on the journey today, and, and you've got your professional indemnity insurance in place, which you need to join the TPO, is when you go to fill in the form online, while you're filling it in, call the TPO. A really bright, helpful young person at the TPO will talk you through which boxes to tick and whether to put yes or no at the relevant places. If you're left to your own devices, team, this is what I hear, you finish up in a completely different place to the one you should, usually being overly regulated and overly compliant, okay? So uh, we no longer just register for membership, we have to be members. I am now a member of the TPO. Um, apparently I was before, I was not aware of that. Um, I, I thought, hands up team, because the money's the same, right? And I've been renewing my membership for some years now. Um, clearly, day one, 
uh, I did not register. I joined as a member, but only until I went back and checked it, because you can't tell even from your registration number, membership number. That doesn't say if you're registered, if you're registered or a member or not. But clearly, I didn't read it properly day one. So I am a member. And you need to be a member, but you do not have to uh, fulfil all the compliance issues of full members. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rest that there. Okay, these are other things that I'm hearing, and I'm saying this with the spirit of helping you, because um, I've got some shortcuts here. So um, what I'm hearing then is, David, I need I need certain bits of paper because it says on the uh, TPO website, the the um, property ombudsman website, I need this stuff. For instance, I need an internal complaints procedure because the process is team. If if you get to the point where someone wants to complain about you. It's very unlikely and unusual in my experience, but, but, but it can happen, okay? Potentially it can happen. Uh, you need your own internal complaints procedure. David, have I got to sit and write an internal complaint, complaints procedure? How do I know what should be in it? I've never written one before. How do I know that my internal complaints com procedure is compliant? Oh, this is intellectually an exercise. It's way too more. I just want to sell houses, right? I don't want to do all this stuff. It's okay, team. It's okay. What you need to know, if you're a member of the TPO, is they have an internal complaints procedure on their website. You can download it. Now, when I say they've got one, it's not a form that is ready to fill in, but it gives you stages, one to ten, whatever, of all the things you need in your complaints process. So you can just write it, repeating the words that they've got on their website. How cool is that? You know, so you don't, there's no intellectual work here, okay? You just have to sit down and um, put it in place. So they give it to you. Well, I say they give it to you. Obviously, you pay for your membership, right? But having paid for your membership and being in the family, they give you an internal complaints procedure. All you've got to do is tick the boxes. How cool is that? Um, then what you need to do, but we should be doing this anyway. You need to ensure that you fact find with your potential investor customer. You need to fact find with them. But here's the thing, deal packages out there, you need to fact find with them anyway. I've been preaching this for years, right? You meet your investors first, you find out what they want. That means you've got to know all everything about their circumstances, their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, their exit strategy who they are, what they want, why property, what their financial criteria are. If you're doing that, that is a fact find, right? And, and you know, write it all down. Write it down so you have a, a picture of who your client is and what they're trying to achieve. Now, for my purposes as a packager, that information is key because it allows me to go shopping. I now know exactly what the investor wants and I now know that if I find it they will 99 times I think it said 9 out of 10 I'm going to say 99 times out of 100 from that point when you've done the fact find they're going to buy the deal so the fact find is is really important not just because the TPO says you need to do a fact find on your uh, investor it's because you need to do it as good practice for your business in any event okay and then you can send a written confirmation of your fact find, because you can have it as a form, you know, in your um, armory, 
of, of forms that you keep, uh, send it just to confirm uh, with your investor that you've got everything right. Or are there any um, minor alterations? Have you got anything a little bit wrong that the investor would like to give you feedback on? Um, and, you know, from a sales point of view, use that confirmation, you know, in writing for, to ask them the question, you know what I do, you're happy to contain my, uh, retain my services, you're happy to retain my services. Um, if I go out and find it, if I match your criteria, are you happy to go ahead? Are you going to pay me? It, it gets very simple. So we've covered the internal complaints procedure. Just download it. It's all good. A fact find. You should be doing that anyway. Absolutely vital to your success as a deal packager. Send a written confirmation of the fact find to the client. They'll tell you if there's something wrong on there. Next, you should have terms of business. So there are many ways you can get terms of business. If you're working with me, if uh, you're doing my training, then um, you get a draft terms of business from me. Uh, it's got great value. You know, it's taken years to put that together. Um, it is a uh, very cautious, very defensive term of business, uh, you know, uncovering your back in it. And it's grown over the years. It's grown. It used to be one side of A4, and now it's three or four sides, right? And some of those things in the terms of business will never happen, and you'll never need to refer to them. And in fact, I don't remember the last time I had a conversation with a client, an investor client, about my terms of business. But if you want to, if you, if you want to use a terms of business, use mine. But you have to go through my training, right? It's only for people who work with me in order to get that. Okay. Similarly, a contract it is best to have a written contract in place with your investor before you start shopping with them. So everything is absolutely crystal clear. Plus, they know what your fees are. You have to lay out your fees. They know exactly how much you get, expect to be paid and when. Uh, and it's a contract that you want their uh, initials on. You want it sent back to you. So that's it. That's it, really. Um, I'll, I'll do another episode on uh, the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, information, data protection on its own is a huge, a huge topic. I mean, way, way too big. In my view, I don't believe um, whoever sat and drafted that legislation was thinking about deal packages when they drafted it. I get that, right? They, they've got to cover every base. So I will do another um, episode about data protection, compliance for the ICO, and also anti-money laundering supervision with HMRC. I will deal with those separately. Okay, so I will come back to those and deal with them separately. But for the time being, as far as your registration with a redress scheme is concerned, and I'm going to talk specifically to property ombudsman here because that's how I roll, these are the things you need, right? You need your professional indemnity insurance up front uh, because you can't register without your professional indemnity insurance. You you then get from the TPO all the assets you need to put your compliance things together, okay? 
So if you want an internal complaints procedure, because the TPO says you need to have one, you can download it from their website. It's all there for you. If you want to fact find, it tells you what questions that you should ask. It's all there, right? Just download it. Um, put a contract together. You need a contract, right? So uh, you need two signatures from the investor client. Uh, you want you want their, their signature on the fact find just to make sure that you've got everything absolutely correct. And from a sales point of view, it's very valuable to go through that process because if you're sending them sending them if you're sending them a fact find and uh, they put a signature on it and say yes, David, that's who I am, that's what I'm looking for, those are the returns I need, then uh, it pushes you one step further down the road on your sales process. So you can be confident and go out and go shopping. But you told me, Mr. Investor, in writing, this is what you're looking for, and that's what I've found. Okay, everyone happy with that? So you need to make sure that you've got your in internal complaints procedure. Download it. Get your fact find. They tell you what to ask, okay? Get the written confirmation that the uh, investor's happy with the client, uh, the client is happy with your fact find. Uh, then if you're working with me, you can have all the contracts and terms of business you need to send to uh, the client so that you know your back is covered if you go out and find a deal and then uh, they get a bit uh, flaky with you or they try and cut you out. It happens very rarely. Uh, everyone's frightened about getting cut out. Um, in my experience, it's very, very rare. But again, if you're working with me, uh, we have as a part of our asset pack uh, a non-circumvention agreement. You are very happy to take. I'm very happy if you want to take that to your investor and get them to sign that off as well. So we're doing as much as we can to cover your back. The uh, property ombudsman doing as much as they can to cover your back. You can be straight and legal and sleep well in the confidence that you um, are not going to be held to account if something goes wrong down the line. If you just cover these simple steps. But let's move forward because I found out something during the week which I did not know and I want to share this with you now and um, I would like to talk about compliance with respect to deal sources, deal packages out there who are sourcing rent to rent opportunities uh, and I believe at the time of recording this episode middle of 2019 that rent to rent for service accommodation rent to rent opportunities for your investors to to invest in and be managed as serviced accommodation units i'm not asking you to manage them deal packages but we need a serviced accommodation operator to manage them i believe that's the fastest way on the planet at this time to get money into your deal packaging business here's something i learned during the week if you are sourcing rent to rent opportunities you do not have to go through the compliance process. Really, David? How can, how can that possibly be? Because you're still sourcing deals. You are sourcing deals, but deal packages are um, regulated with respect to investors purchasing property. The Original Estate Agents Act and any iterations of the legislation from that point are all about investors buying stuff. And in rent-to-rent, rent, you're not buying stuff. 
So I've had it confirmed uh, the TPO is not interested in regulating anyone who sources rent to rent and as a corollary, rent to rent for serviced accommodation. So when I say out loud, it, for those people who have done my training, you can go out and source rent to rent next week. You can. You can. And uh, but of course, it's good practice to become compliant as you move forward. But if you need the fees from the first two, three rent to rent deals, take the fees from the first two to three uh, rent to rent deals and then become compliant. Now, I want you to make me a promise. I want everyone listening, even if you're driving. No, not if you're driving. To raise your right hand and say, David, I promise, David, I promise that having done two or three rent to rent SA deals and source them and package them and earn the fees, I will make sure that all my compliance um, stuff is completed from start to finish. It's always good practice, practice to become compliant. But if you're outsourcing next week, rent to rent for serviced accommodation, you do not need to register with a property redress scheme. But there's more, team. There's absolutely more. Uh, because you also do not have to register uh, with HMRC for supervision under the anti-money laundering rules. You don't. And um, a friend of mine in the industry uh, just wanted to double underline this. And I'm, you know, I'm making a public um, announcement about this, right? So I've got to be sure of my ground. Uh, he actually contacted HMRC and asked them the question straight. And they wrote a straight answer that rent to rent, renting the payment of rent or deposits uh, uh, for when you, you take a rental property are not within the scope of supervision for anti-money laundering. HMRC are not interested in that. So, here's the thing, guys. And I realise there is a possibility that I might be letting the foxes into the chicken coop here. I get it, right? Uh, but I, I, let me say what I found, and let me, then let me tell you what I think. What I have found is, if you're going out there to sort rent-to-rent opportunities, or rent to rent for service accommodation opportunities, and you should, in today's market, today, now, this is the time you should be doing it. You do not be, have to be registered with a redress scheme, and you do not have to be registered with HMRC for anti-money laundering supervision. That is the truth of it today. As far as my research has taken me, that is what I can confirm to you. That is my understanding today. Now, I'll make it absolutely clear. I believe anyone out there sourcing and packaging deals should be compliant. And um, if you're going to go that way, rent to rent for SA, not register with a redress scheme, not register with HMRC, here is what you should do. Once you've done one, two, three um, deals, got some fees, in your bank account, make sure you register. Make sure you register, because things will change. And in any event, you know, you don't want to be restricted to rent to rent deals, right? You want to move forward a little bit more quickly than that. You will have investors who want to buy and uh, use the wonderful strategy of service accommodation in their new purchased properties. As soon as they buy, you've got to be registered with a redress scheme, and you are. 
subject to the anti-money laundering supervision. So I hope it's been helpful that um, the information I've shared with you on this podcast episode has come because it, there are questions that have been driven from my community, people that I'm working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I've tried to be helpful. I've tried to share it with everyone because I think it's going to be helpful to you. Um, there appears to be a couple of anomalies or uh, maybe that's just the way it is. So if you can exploit the anomalies, if you can get yourself up and going faster than you would have done by uh, worrying about joining a redress scheme and registering for anti-money laundering supervision day one, um, by all means, go faster. I'm here to help you go faster. And there's no doubt there is a kink in the machine. And if you're sourcing rent to rent, rent to rent for service accommodation, you do not have to be a member of the redress scheme as the law stands. And you don't have to register with HMRC for anti-money laundering after all at this point. OK, friends out there in property sourcing land, go out and make some money. Go out and find some fantastic deals. Your investors are going to be thrilled. Make sure you are straight and legal appropriate to what you are actually doing. That is the message of uh, this episode as well. I hope it's been helpful. I hope to see you all very soon. Get out there and sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.